0: Welcome back into the We Shall Not Sleep podcast. Thank you so much for joining us once again. We're coming at you strong here from our hosting platform, SoundCloud. Shout out to them. Thank you for listening on our YouTube channel. Thank you for your support on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get them. There's plenty of places. Thank you for our Facebook page and for them allowing us to spread our content out on there. Feel free to send emails, feedback, questions, topics of conversation, suggestions, whatever, to WSNSPodcast at gmail.com. All right. Well, by the time you're listening to this, Wednesday, my group of churchgoers, the Community Church of North Adams here in Hillsdale, Michigan, will be going through a, a test of, of sorts. We are playing, playing with, I would say, new materials, if I, if I could say that, if I can extend the metaphor, because we are a vendor at the Hillsdale Fair. The Hillsdale State Fair in Hillsdale County, Michigan, is the latest state fair um, in the entire state. We It's always the last week of September, which sometimes rolls into the first week of October. It's actually beautiful fall weather for those who are in the Midwest and in, in, in the United States. You know, well, how the colors start to change this time of year. You know, you start to wanting to get that pumpkin spiced flavored or scented everything. Um, you start seeing apple cider, donuts, apples starting to be fresh, and it's a great time, especially for us in the Midwest. And one of the things that we enjoy here is the fall weather, and it's a little bit cooler. So the, the state fair is actually really cool because it's just good weather to be outside. It's not incredibly hot. But my church, we decided to contact the fair, and we are a vendor this year. We paid the application fee and we have a 10 by 10 space and we our whole goal there is to pass out bibles we have 48 bibles and our goal is to pass them out and we have a few gifts that we have for all ages all genders that people can just fill out a little card for information and they can put their well, card and address you know all their contact info in their preferred you know, a little jar that corresponds to the gift that they would like. And upon, you know, the drawing of it, if they get it, they just have to come to the church and claim it. And, you know, we we looked through things about, you know, tax status. So we kept, like, all the, like, numbers below a certain amount, a dollar amount, so we didn't have to deal with any sort of taxable goods or items so the people didn't have to have that burden, right? So it's completely free. That's just what we are supplying. but And we have, like, some candy to hand out, but... Our goal is to pass out Bibles and make ourselves known to the community. And, and there's been a lot of, you know, little uncomfortableness, a little bit of insecurity because it's like, how do you start up a conversation? Because Christianity, it's not the most you know, welcoming sign any, anymore in this nation as it, as it once was. And, and there's a lot of legitimate uh, concerns and and fears, especially if you've never done this before, right? Well, I understand that. And, you know, as the pastor trying to encourage the the congregants saying hey we can do this this is something that is attainable it's okay everything's going to be fine and in service this past week we actually talked about the story in second chronicles 20 when king jehoshaphat is told that hey your enemies are going to attack you and he's like oh my gosh and he turns to the lord first seeks the lord proclaims a corporate fast for everyone they pray and seek the lord they hear from a gentleman who decides to to prophesy a brief message they listen to the lord and they're given victory and it's just a very simple Old Testament story of an instance where the king actually fears the Lord and wants to do what he says. And that's what I proclaimed to them here as a message in this past Sunday. By the time you're listening to this, it'll be Wednesday. Uh, I was, I preached that on Sunday. And then I read you know another thing I told them, which is what I want to focus on now. So if you have your Bibles, if you want to follow along here, I want to take you to Luke chapter 12, something that... Man, we don't talk about as a church, or maybe we don't even focus on uh, enough because we either we don't know that Christ said this, or we don't stop and think to to like we don't think what he means is what he means, or we're not stopping to think about what he says. It's it's one of those two, and I'm going to start at verse 49. So Luke chapter 12, verse 49. I am reading from the NASB 1995 translation, which is. My preferred translation. It's considered a transliteration of scripture. It doesn't have the flow of like ESV or NIV as far as simplicity's sake, because it's trying to, in modern day English, state exactly what the Greek was stating, which if you read that verbatim, um, if you go to like interlinear Bible online, it's obviously like, it seems like stuff's out of order because it's a Latin-based language. It's different. So, NASB gets you about as close as you can without, if you want to go back to the King James version, but for the sake of everyone, I read from the NASB. So starting at verse 49, Christ divides men is the subcategory and subtitle here. It says, I have come to cast fire upon the earth, and how I wish it were already kindled. But I have a baptism to undergo, and how distressed I am until it is accomplished. Do you suppose that I came to grant peace on earth? I tell you no, but rather division. For from now on, five members in one household will be divided, three against two and two against three. They will be divided, father against son and son against father, mother against daughter and daughter against mother, mother-in-law against daughter-in-law and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. What an interesting phraseology. I've come to cast fire upon the earth, judgment, fire associated with judgment, and how I wish it were already kindled, Oh, how I wish it was already done so. But I have a baptism to undergo and how distressed I am until it is accomplished, which is baptism of the cross. And you can picture the division there. You have a thief, two thieves. He he's sat between two thieves. One, he pardons, and the other one, he doesn't. There's already divide. And so a lot of us can think, wait a minute, bring peace? That doesn't make any sense. So, I mean, if he's not here for that, I mean, he was called the prince of peace. He was, he was referred to this way in many cha- in many like chapters, many passages in the New Testament. Look at Psalms, Luke. John, Romans, Ephesians, Colossians, Hebrews, Isaiah chapter 9 is called the Prince of Peace in the the prophecy. What do you mean he's not come to do that? His message brings peace. But what the effect of that message is, does cause division. It might be peace for one side. And just as a reminder, when we talk about one side getting peace and we think about wartime, it doesn't necessarily mean peace for all, right? When you are victorious over your enemy in battle you have this peace of uh, we are victorious and it's over the other side doesn't feel peace they're the ones they were just defeated and when you accept christ when you begin to walk in the same steps as him that's going to divide you, maybe you from your family potentially you from your from your other your friends you might have to make a entire life change because of that and i don't know if we we see ourselves like really talking about that very often it's a difficult message to to really comprehend and understand like it's not easy to accept that as gospel so I, I'm just wondering when it, when it comes to like us Christians what are we here for and remember Christ is the one that said you know whoever is not with you is against you that's a hard message and, and for a lot of people I wonder if you just did anonymous quotes to people if they would even recognize that as Jesus, because it sounds very heavy-handed, right? I mean, the fact that he's gonna come to divide, of course that's the effect of the gospel. But I wonder if sometimes we're ashamed of that because we don't want to divide people. Now, obviously, this message is not for the church. It's not an excuse for the churches to be divided and everything. Absolutely not. We're still one bride. Jesus isn't marrying in the cosmic, you know, in the cosmic notion of the church. And, and Jesus says, you know, the bridegroom, he's not going to marry many things. He's not going to commit infidelity by no means, but yet when it comes to the world and the effect that the Christian message has, it's going to divide people because it's an exclusive truth claim. Of course, truth by its own definition is exclusive, and it is divisive because not everyone agrees on what the truth is. Jesus saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes unto the Father except through me. That's very exclusive. And that, you know, this pathway to heaven, salvation, only going through Christ, that eliminates over half the people on the planet and their belief systems. When you look at the combined amount of, like, other religions and then the people who are not religious, right? Of course, it must divide because it's not going to be all-encompassing. And that's the one thing that I don't know if we're comfortable with. We're not, in, in this nation being the United States, we're not really comfortable with confrontation or disagreement. sure we'll do it on social media, but in person, it's very difficult. And when you see other nations, when they are getting constant kickback from the government and from their neighbors, from people who are truly evil, they're used to that. They're used to seeing that division and how it causes, causes stirrings and causes rumblings amongst other people. Here, we can just run away, we can avoid, we can be passive-aggressive, we can use social media to, to throw grenades, and then we feel bad. And it's difficult to stand in the face of somebody and say, so you do you believe that I'm living the wrong way? If they're a complete hedonist or rejecting Christ, well, yeah, of course I do. But that doesn't mean that I have the right to judge you, because that's God's Right. I mean, God gives us the ability to judge one another as Christians, hold each other to account. To account. But when it comes to non-Christians, we, we don't have the right to do that. We don't have the authority. We don't know their hearts and their motives. But yet through, as Christians, our actions, that's what, you know, out of the overflow of the, the mouth, the heart speaks. So how we talk to one another, our actions. Now, there's room for, there's not any room for hypocrisy. And that's where I think, do not judge lest you be judged in the same way you measure Against someone, it'll be measured against you. That's a call against hypocrisy. The same thing with the speck and the plank in the eye. We got to be comfortable with speaking the truth. Jesus never shied away from that. He did not use that as a source of shame. Of course, he did not bash people over the head. I mean, he ate with sinners. Then one of the most intimate things that you can do with someone, he went into people's homes and ate with them. For the first century Jewish culture, that is a holy and sacred act it's lost on us nowadays because of the way our culture at least in america is i mean meals are just i mean we don't really sit down around a a table together very often and and break bread especially not in the way that they did it two thousand years ago but when you do that i mean you are bottom line affirming everything that they are but jesus never did that he never failed to call sin sin or call people out of their own sin with authority, with conviction, but he never used it to shame people because it wouldn't have been effective. It would have been sinful for one, but when is ever shaming people ever effective to that person if your goal is to win them over to Christ? You're not winning them over to Christ at that point. You're winning them over to your own hubris. Now, God's grace can obviously work through that, but I digress. So I just want us as Christians to go back and read Luke chapter 12. Uh, verses 49 there through 52. Or through, yeah, through, excuse me, through 53. Go back and read that. Think about it for a second. Meditate on it. Do some research. Read a couple commentaries. What do you think it means to divide people in this this culture today? The truth will absolutely do it. It's whether or not we are clinging to it. But I'll leave you with that. Thank you so much. And as, as always and forever, may God bless you and they got you.